Midnight Flicks, a podcast dedicated to discussing movies relegated to a late night purgatory. I'm one of your hosts, Pat Mitchell. Thanks for joining us on this Halloween dropped episode. With me, as always, my co-host, my partner in podcast crime, Adam Walker. I am here again, the one and only. What an appropriately named episode for... uh, if you're listening to it at the time of the drop, this is coming out on Halloween. Uh, we're discussing 1986's Trick or Treat. Right. And here at Midnight Flicks, it's all treats, no tricks. All treats, no tricks. All treats, no tricks. <laughs> <laughs> we should do more uh, Seinfeld slash uh, Larry David impressions. Telling you, next season, we got to have a. We gotta have a Seinfeld. Yeah, we do. Some sort of category. Is that where you were going to say? Yeah, that's what oh, I was. Okay, like, and I said it. Oh, maybe you could. <laughs> hey, hey! I know you're wearing a bear's hat, but why the long pause? Oh the- my! Oh my lord! My Atlanta! Oh my Atlanta! Um. <laughs> 
I think it cut off the end of your sentence, so it looked like you needed a program reset on your end. Uh, not like your computer, but your brain. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> you finished computing uh, correctly. Yeah, I, I could probably come up with something. Um, before we get into it, though, let's play a little uh, Stumpeth the Chumpeth. <laughs> On the year, you are at five and two. I'm at five and three. So let's see if uh, with a loss here today, we'd be tied up. I'm not throwing you a huge curveball. To me, I feel like this one's pretty easy. Um, We'll see, though, if uh, you can get... Name the actor in a minute based on their filmography. Let me know when you're ready. Let me get this sip of coffee little juice go I'm ready okay early TV work black and white blackout red tails chronicle moving on to actual films first film Fruitvale Station that awkward moment Fantastic Four Creed Black Panther Creed 2 30 seconds left Yeah, I don't know Just Mercy Space Jam new, uh, The new Space Jam movie I know who Creed, you're talking about I don't know this guy's name So I give up Creed right now Creed 3 um, You've got 10 seconds left Who's the most famous basketball player in the world? Michael Jordan uh, and what comes after the letter A? <laughs> D. That's his middle name, so put it all together. I don't know his first name. No. <laughs> uh, Michael B. His Jordan? Name, his name is Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I, okay, I, well. I, 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 he's, I, he's one of those guys, I'm like, yeah, I know that that guy is in movies, but I don't know his name. <laughs> you know, thinking, so like, this is a thing, for me, like, I love Michael B. Jordan. So this was probably one that was like, oh, this is a, a softball for me. But then I didn't think about how you not watching a ton of current stuff is not going to help, especially with someone with this filmography. Yeah. Well, I've never seen any of the creeds. I saw Black Panther in the theater. And that's it, man. I was. I thought these were early TV roles too. The first three that I named were, were still films because he was in The Wire. He was in The Wire oh, as like a twelve-year-old okay. boy. Oh, okay. Um, I thought these early ones were all uh, TV shows because I hadn't seen them and there was no notes on them. But the so not that this fucked you up, but everything I named was a movie. Nothing was a TV show. Right. Just to for the Michael B. Jordan enthusiasts that are going to come after me. Um, I was wondering where the why the wire wasn't on there. I was like, the wire is a TV show. Yeah, we're tied at five and three. What a what a time there to be go. alive. Yeah, it'll so, be interesting to interesting to see who at the end of the year uh, reigns supreme. Yeah, well, cliffhanger. Um, yeah, I've never seen. I'm I'm looking through his filmography right now on my own and haven't seen a single one of these except for Black Panther. Sorry, I'm Michael surprised you've seen, you've seen that. You would love Fruitvale Station. I really liked Black Panther, actually. Incidentally, 
I know you're not a big uh, superhero MCU guy. No, not really. Um, which I'm, I don't care anymore. But I held out for quite a bit where I was like, you know what? It's just good, big budget fun. I grew up reading comic books. I, I stopped caring a long time ago. I still collect them here and there. But it's just one of those things where, you know, there's so only so many variations and derivations of nerddom that you can kind of keep up throughout your whole life. And that was just one of them that had to go by the wayside. But yeah, I like I like Black Panther. I don't think I'll see the sequel. But Wakanda Forever? Yeah. Yeah. Um neither will I, unless uh I am forced to. But here's the here's the thing though. I, well I want to say this. I don't know if you've seen it at all, but I feel like you would at least like Deadpool. Yeah, I've seen both of them. What did you think of those? Yeah, they're fine. It's okay. funny. It's fine. All right. Well, carry on, my friend. It just doesn't tickle my boner. Is that the <laughs> phrase? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Off the top, uh, thoughts on Trick or Treat. Uh, I guess it's more interesting coming from me because... Uh, a midnight flicks first, like we said at the end of the last episode. Um, I chose a movie that I just hadn't seen before. This has been on my radar. Like, I, I know the general idea of it. And I, you know, know that Gene Simmons is in it and knew that Ozzy Osbourne has, like, an appearance in it. Um, but had just never seen it. So I thought, what a perfect time to force myself to see something that I probably would never just put on on my own when I could just watch Apocalypto for the hundredth time instead. <laughs> so <laughs> this, this is perfect timing. Uh, so yeah, this was my first time seeing it. Uh, sounds like it is a film that you are privy to. Oh yes, my friend. Oh Lordy. Yeah. Trick or treat. Trick or treat is one of those. How, how should I put it? If you grew up throughout the 80s and 90s uh, being into metal. Trick or Treat is one of those movies that you you were bound to see because it is one of those mythologized representations of metal and metal fans in horror cinema that you just... It's just one of those things where you just you're just it's almost like you're 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 bound to see it. You're you're it's in the contract as a metal as a zeitgeist of uh, of metaldom. Yeah, yeah. As a young Hesher, it's part of the contract. Is if it well, okay. Put it this way: most Heshers, most teen male teen metalheads from the eighties and nineties are also horror movie fanatics to a certain extent. They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Very, very rarely do you have one without the other, I would say. So it's just one of those movies because clearly with the satanic panic and with the censorship PMRC phenomenon and that all going on and all like the, uh, the, um, the sensationalized incidences of young teen metal heads committing suicide or attempting suicide via being brainwashed or backmasking. All these different 80s sort of tropes that happened 
you just were bound to go down the path of seeing Trick or Treat as one of these type of movies that kind of uh, blended that uh, suburban mom horror of their teen getting into metal, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Totally. Oh, yes. And that, that sounds like everything that I thought this would be on paper, uh, for sure. Yeah. It's like the same thing with the gate. Gate's another one. Cause you got a metal teenager who unwittingly unleashes the gate to hell via a metal record, a heavy metal record. <laughs> so Love the gate. Yeah. Yeah. So it's similar vibes. Sure. There's sure. definitely a kinship between this movie and, and the gate. Well, so um, in terms of like this and that, <laughs> that going to be a new segment. Uh, this was made on a three and a half million dollar budget uh, generated nearly uh, twice that almost a $7 million in the box office seems surprising. Um, but given the subject material at the time and, and the cameos in this, this was at the heavy metal was at full throat, um, in 1986. So that's not surprising, I suppose. Um, the general concept is a, a bullied teenager boy, uh, teenager boy, a bullied teenager, <laughs> <laughs> teenager boy a bullied teenager boy kind of thing um, a bullied teenage boy is devastated after the death of his heavy metal idol Sammy Kerr but as Halloween night approaches he discovers that he may be the only one who can stop Sammy from making a satanic comeback from beyond the grave um, so yeah on paper it's like Oh, this kid that's in heavy metal is bullied at school, so he plays his records backwards, and it's used as an incantation for uh, one of his idols who recently passed to urge him to kill his bully oppressors. Sign me the fuck up. That's right. Everything I want. Conceptually, um, conceptually, it's just it's just a real fucking smorgasbord, right? There's so much meat on the bone here. I mean, on paper, so good. Love that. Conceptually, what a great idea. Um, but, and like promotionally, this is one of the cooler, like, uh, all the posters I've seen of this are so fucking cool. They're so uh, sick. And so 80s. It's great, great promotional material behind this. But if we're still like talking about off the top, thoughts um yeah a m- huge bummer <laughs> was just <laughs> very disappointed in this uh I, yeah i don't know it let me down i think this is a um i, I think i watched this too late in the game I just, yeah. I just watched this too late and uh i have no sort of nostalgic connection to it and um I also had very high expectations. Uh, but then I was thinking, maybe this is why I don't really hear about this movie in discussions of people listing like their favorite movies, horror movies. Like I never hear someone that's just like evil dead 
trick or treat. <laughs> it's like I just not really, not really uh, part of uh, of eighties horror movie discussion. And I guess I understand now for a reason. No, it wasn't all bad, uh, but we'll get into it here. Anything yeah. else before no, we do? I, I was just going to mention that that's that was going to be why I was going to relish this discussion because you 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 got you got wind of this way too late. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the problem. That's like watching when you watched Waterworld in the year twenty twenty, right? That's Same. not when you need to watch Waterworld. You need to no. watch Waterworld in the in the height of the nineties, nineteen ninety six or whatever, right? While well, I'm, <laughs> yeah, um, it's funny with the promotional angle of this because, like you said, this this is true exploitation magic at its finest, where it really just grabs you with the promotional uh, aspect of it and reels you in. And then you're like, what? What did I? What am I doing here? Why am I watching this? But it's funny because I've had this DVD copy of this forever, and it doesn't have any of the cool promotional swag going on. It's the most bootleg ass shit. It just doesn't have Sammy Kerr even on it. It's just got these really bad low res pictures of an old. <laughs> Older Gene Simmons. Oh, and the Ozzy Osbourne and Ozzy Osbourne's on it too. And Ozzy Osbourne, but it's it's the '90s Ozzy Osbourne where Ozzy had cleaned up and he got his shit together and he was on the straight and narrow, so he looked good for his age. He like lost weight, and so it's a very like glamour shots looking '90s picture of him. And yeah, just, that's one of the weirder posters for this. That's yeah. so weird. <laughs> but it's funny because they, you know, it. It's another exploitation fucking marketing um, trick there where they're reeling people in. Oh, it's got Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne, but they're both in the movie for like two minutes at the most. Yeah. (laughs) Collectively, they're in the movie for maybe five minutes. Ozzy Osbourne even less than, uh, yeah, Gene Simmons. But um, (laughs) yeah, there's a real... um, uh, yeah, I I want my I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> I like how man we're just front loading this before we even get into it so much, but it's great. I just services weren't rendered, and I, I, need, <laughs> I need a return on my investment. <laughs> can I can I sue the production company of Trick or Treat now? The, De- in- the De Laurentiis company will be hearing from me. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there's any instance. I'm sure there is instances of that where some uh, aggrieved patron or viewer of some sort of movie or film, in <laughs> they retroactively try. It has. This has yeah. happened. I can't think of the. You're you just talking about it made me think. I cannot think of the movie where somebody like yeah try to sue like a filmmaker was like that sucked. Probably, probably that sounds like a Star Wars nerd seeing Episode One, like, and then like suing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> suing the estate of uh, yeah, yeah of, Lucas uh, Gene, Films, Gene Roddenberry, or whatever. No, not not Trek, not Trek oh. Wars. Seeing Episode oh. One of Star Wars, and then oh, suing Star the, Wars. I thought you said Star Trek for some reason. No, 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 <laughs> and suing the the Lucas 
yes. Lucas Farms for uh, <laughs> for pain and <laughs> pain and suffering. Pain and suffering. Um, okay, well, yeah, let's get into it. The the good, the bad, and the questionable. soundtrack goes hard they didn't the disappoint me right. yeah it's just, the soundtrack just is uh, that they, they could have really fluffed it up with uh either like cover bands or um shit that's like metal adjacent but it, it's true to form it, it passes the test uh just some great bands on here um and and whatever's used throughout the throughout the movie as well is is great you you get a little bit of a glimpse um at uh, at his record collection at eddie's yeah. record collection he's got some bangers in there some megadeth some some other records in there yeah he's got a it, he's got an exciter record when his mom's going through the records and just kind of aghast yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's some real great records in there she's got mom from detroit rock city vibes so that's the thing i want to say this Let's put a pin in that real quick, but I do want to comment on the soundtrack because I'm sure you were aware of this after researching that the soundtrack is primarily uh, done by Fastway. Yeah. Were you, were you um, familiar with Fastway before this? Do you, do you know who Fastway is? Not until I, and then I started researching it and it's like a former Motorhead guitarist, right? Yeah. So Fast Eddie Clark, it was Fast Eddie Clark's a commercial stab after he had left Motorhead. And it didn't quite make the cut for the long run, but I will stand for Fastway. And I think that this soundtrack and what they did on it is Fastway's crowning achievement. And I really genuinely think that they were a great band that kind of got, you know, they kind of got forgotten about, which it's funny given their associations, but also little known thing for a lot of people, which is odd to me. Do you know what? <laughs> makes Fastway even more interesting in terms of its family tree. Hmm. Their singer, David King, is the singer oh, for Flogging, Flogging Molly. Molly. Yeah. yeah. It's so wild that that's where his trajectory went. But, you know, things like that happen clearly where somebody has some weird, obscure kind of storied past and then they reinvent themselves somehow but uh yeah but the soundtrack is great but i also want to say because this is a criticism that we have with a lot of movies where there's they're trying to represent punks and metal heads and the producers and the the execs and the, the director they don't know how to do it it's just this again it's the the community theater troupe that they kind of <laughs> part in there 
and kind of have this facsimile of what they're trying to. I mean, the gate does this, even though the kid, the metalhead in the gate, he's wearing like a venom shirt at one point, and he's got you know a denim jacket. The record collection, he's not representing any real band; they're all fake bands. But at least in this movie, I feel like they make somewhat more of an earnest attempt to accurately represent metal culture and punk culture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause even when, you know, Fastway doing the, you know, all the songs here, but his Eddie's room, you know, there's some priests and maiden there, you know, he's got the, yeah. the roots of any high school metalhead in the eighties uh, are all represented in, it aligns, it passes the vibe check. Right. And having Ozzy and Gene Simmons at ostensibly Well, their their eighties height. Their their yeah. rebirth. You know what I mean? Because they'd already had their seventies stardom and then there was the decline to a certain extent and then they were on the up their rebirth. Upswing yeah, you're right. Their rebirth. So you know, there's a lot about this again. There is so much potential in this movie that was squandered. And it's so it is, frustrating. It is a big, uh, it's a big what if. Um, <laughs> I posed the question on uh, Instagram when I rated this. And uh, my friend Rex specifically came out and was like, this is my favorite movie of all time. What the fuck? Like, he was like, not mad that I didn't like it, but he was like, what? Like, I love this fucking movie so much. Uh, and because I posed the question, like, I feel like, this could, and it's a rare instance of something that could really benefit from a remake in the right hands and the right filmmaker to reconceptualize this. And he was like, that could never happen. And I get that. Like, you can't recreate the height of heavy metal. Like, to do that in 2022 seems hard, a hard play. Uh, but if you made it like a period piece, a movie like Deathgasm. Have you ever seen Deathgasm? No, because it's one of those movies where I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to watch this. And I'm going to be fucking irritated. But <laughs> anyways, but I'm Maybe. familiar enough with it. Maybe yes. you would. Deathgasm, I feel like, does a, a great uh, black metal sort of uh, dark comedy thing. Yeah. Um, but like you couldn't go. It, it couldn't go anywhere up, but, but up anywhere but up. I mean, yeah. right. <laughs> just figure it out. But I get some people just have such strong connections. He was saying, like, you would never replace Sammy Kerr. Like, you could never replace. I feel like the people that really did like this a lot, you couldn't ever. You couldn't ever reestablish this movie as anything else. So I get it. But coming from someone who's <laughs> seeing it for the first time in 2022, it is like, wow, that was a swing and a miss. That just could have been way better. Like, they had all the pieces. It's conceptually great. I think it's it's flaw is it's got a first time filmmaker. Yeah, uh, that's not great. Uh, yeah, that this is his his first foray into this shit. Um, but let's stick to the good, I suppose. You were you were saying something about uh, straight out of central casting, <laughs> which is what we normally get. Uh, I I always hated the depiction of of punks or metalheads in movies or TV as like cool, mysterious, tough guys. And I love that this does, uh, puts that flips that on its ear a little bit when in reality, 
they're much closer to being like D and D nerds yeah. uh, on the spectrum of social hierarchy. Like Eddie is a fantastic representation of what metalheads were probably like in the eighties, which were picked on and bullied instead of being like the tough, like revenge, uh, uh, return of the living dead punks. Like, <laughs> like that archetype exists, but more often than not in they're they're trampled in this sort of, uh, social hierarchy that is high school. Yeah. So I want to say Ragman's representation in this is both in my good and bad. Uh, yeah. I, and I agree with you on most of those points that it is probably a more accurate portrayal of a metal head that is the lone metal head in, in a high school that doesn't have any sort of peer group whatsoever. He's clearly going to be the one that's going to be marginalized and is going to be sitting at the nerd table with his one, one friend, if he even has that. But I want to go back to real quick to uh, point something out because uh, you mentioned Rex and what he said about this because I had the same thought about, well, potentially reimagining this uh, now. And yeah, it would be tough to pull off. But I wanted to say something else. If it's the Rex that I'm thinking of that we've talked about, it's funny that he said that this is one of his favorite films because I remember clear as a bell on Facebook, him talking so much shit about Motorhead, which blew my fucking mind that he hated Motorhead so much. And he, I will say in his defense that, it, well, first of all, that sounds exactly like him. I know that he does not like Motorhead. My, uh, my wife, uh, my, my wife, uh, <laughs> similarly, um, <laughs> sorry go on my wife she <laughs> it's one of those jokes that it's like it comes back around as being funny because it's so stupid we gotta do a Sasha Barrett Cohen movie okay um, she Aaron she says she <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry if you watch wrestling um and like if if your entry point to motorhead was wrestling before motorhead like specifically triple h yeah uh he comes out to a motorhead song that a song that motorhead wrote for him specifically uh time to play the game right Erin cannot listen to Motorhead. She thinks it's fucking Triple H's entrance music. Every fucking right. song, she's like, I feel like Triple H is coming out. And it's so to her, it's it's corny as fuck. I mm. think Rex is coming from the same perspective, which is like, I it all reminds me of Triple H's entrance music. And I I see both sides. I like Motorhead a great deal. I, I feel like they're a little overrated. I feel like they just have whole albums that I, I cannot listen to. Oh my um, god! Oh no! They do. They do. Ah! It, it gets. It's very repetitive. They, they, they just do this. It's the same fucking album. Every goddamn album. And they're all um, amazing up until the nineties. Like Overkill is like one of my favorite fucking albums. Like yeah. I, I get it. Um, I, I see both sides. I guess he said something like he said something basically that was akin to Motorhead are the audio or oral equivalent of a fringe leather jacket or something. 
I was like, that is so not true. <laughs> that is such a fucking just that is such a noob dick thing to say. That's, I love him. See, here's the thing. I agree with that. I think that's I think that's I <laughs> I agree. I, I I can agree with that and still like them. I don't know. Okay. I think All that's right. a <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> But yeah, um, back to the good. Yeah, um, I'm done with my good. What do you? Got? <laughs> All right. Well, you, you know, I, I can, I can, you know, I can fluff this up a little bit more because Carry me. I do like this film more than you do, and I and I do watch it from time to time and and still enjoy it. As frustrating as this movie is, it has enough good about it that I can come back to it and have fun with it. In you know what? Opinion. I was while I was watching it, I thought I think I know why Adam likes this movie. Well, I assumed that you liked it. Yeah, but it is like it's got very hard carry vibes. The carry tendrils run deep in this. Um, yes, it just reminded me of carry a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's even like a fucking car that's being that's possessed and and drives around on its oh, own. So you're talking like, about- it, Christine. Oh, fucking God damn it. That's what I meant. Yeah. But that's funny that you mentioned that because it does have Carrie vibes to me. To me, this movie, I think I wrote it down I meant, here. I meant Christine. Yeah. It's like, um, how did I put it? I didn't write it down, but it's, it's, it's as if you, you married Carrie with Shocker with, mm. um, I had something else, but it's basically, it's, it has this melding. Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Duh. So it's like shocker, Nightmare on Elm Street, Carrie melded into a satanic heavy metal schlock, schlock fest. Um, where it has all, again, it's like, it's just not the sum of its parts. It has so many cool parts to it that they weren't able to quite conjoin in in a way that was fully satisfying. This is a very hobbled Frankenstein of a movie. It's me. so it, like we can't, and we, I, without saying the same thing over and over again, the potential here is, is great. Uh, I agree with like, if you were to tell me like, it's like Christine meets nightmare on Elm street meets the shocker, but it's also like super metal. Yeah. Sign me up all fucking day. And then you watch it and you're like, how did I also it's hard to articulate because I don't know how it did not come together. Like, I can't articulate why it doesn't land, but there's just long stretches of it that I'm bored by. I hate I hate to keep dipping back into the bad, but it's. Yeah. And I can articulate that when we get to the point. But I want to say this. okay, for one, I'm I'm always on board on paper with any movie that is themed around the satanic powers of heavy metal, especially coming from the eighties. Sign me the fuck up. Also, we don't hear enough about back masking in any movies anymore, because that's another eighties bygone relic, the back masking, the, the hidden message in the records. Love that shit. Here's another thing I'll say about this. And this is what, (laughs) This ties into the bad, as far as my opinion on some of the the lead cast. 
it's funny to me because this is the type of movie where you're supposed to be rooting for Ragman. Okay, he's supposed to be your central protagonist that you're gunning for. But as someone who grew up being a metalhead and a punk in a a rural suburban high school that was full of jocks, you would think that I would be siding more with him. But I always side kind of more with like the jocks and the preps because they're actually funny and charming. The jocks in this are funny, like the main dude, Tim or whatever. He actually has some like funny one liners where they throw him into the pool and he's like, Hey, look, it's what it's Aquaman. It's like that. I'm like, that shit's funny. Like, I think this dude's funny. Like Bragman sucks, you know? Yeah. You don't want, you don't really, he's not someone you identify with. Uh, and he's also, it's a, a poorly acted. Yeah. It's a, just a bad performance. It's the lock, the immortal lock for the David Mendenhall award. If there ever Dude, was one. Again, we're prefacing a lot about this, but yes, totally. But again, sticking with the good, the scene where they chase each other, like they do the Keystone Cops thing through the high school and they plow through the band room and they just like shove like band nerds out of the way. I yeah. love that part because yeah. there, there is some good comic relief throughout the movie as well. Uh, and then when they end it by opening up the teacher's lounge and just like hosing them down with the fire extinguisher or whatever. Yeah. I love Great. it. Love all uh, that uh, stuff. High, uh, high school antics is a good yeah. on this. Yeah. <laughs> love all that. Love the eighties high school shenanigans. antics. Great hijinks movie. <laughs> um, I like the brief appearances of Gene Simmons and Ozzy more Ozzy. Cause to me, Ozzy, I've always had more of a kinship with Ozzy with all of his flaws always loved Ozzy. I think he's a genuinely funny, charismatic weirdo. Well, also, like, Gene Simmons doesn't play a very interesting character, yeah. whereas Ozzy's playing, he's like a reverend, right? Yeah, he's a reverend. Yeah. He's, so, like, Ozzy playing, I I loved the, uh, the commentary of Ozzy saying the shit that, like, the PMRC spews about Ozzy Osbourne records. Right. But what like, the establishment from, was saying about him right, at the time. About yes. him. That's such a funny. Yeah, I would. That's in my good for sure. I, I love that. Um, that representation that he that he is the one spewing the the hatred towards these albums. It's it's high tier satire. Right. It's great. I mean, Gene Simmons is fine. He's just trying to play Wolfman Jack. He, just, he doesn't play a role that's like outside of himself, whereas yeah. Ozzy Osbourne has to play uh, something like a diametrically opposed figure. Yeah. So also good and bad. I do like Tony Fields' portrayal of Sammy Kerr. I think in a lot of ways, especially when they show him in like the music videos and he's he's in the con- congressional panel, he plays an overall like pretty menacing villain but it's just it's like a lot of this with this movie could have been spruced up in so many different ways and made so much better um but his look overall he looks like evil he looks evil he does a good job of physically portraying the role of sammy kerr you know yeah I'm with you with the good and bad. I'm conflicted with yeah with the performance. Um, I think he performs one too many ballet moves. 
<laughs> just like it's it, it borders on being what we talk about too theatrical and now it's like uh we're in the realm of like a theater player that's like doing a heavy metal performance um, right but yes i i for the most part i'm I don't get why people would be like, well, nobody other than Tony Fields could do this. <laughs> that's the, I like that's, that was, it's absolutely not true. I don't get that. But I feel like if you if you were to remake this, uh, you would do like a Stranger Things vibe. Like the thing that's so popular nowadays, which is uh, repackaging and selling nostalgia. Uh, yeah. You would just do like a period piece like Stranger Things or something like that and make it as, as authentic as fucking possible. That's how you would do it. It couldn't be, be present day, but you would do like an 80s period piece on this. Yeah. And anybody could fucking do <laughs> what Tony Fields is doing in this. Right. In fact, they had somebody lined up that could have done it better, which we'll get into. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> yeah. So, and I mean, there's some genuinely like cool superpowers and things that he has the fact that he harnesses lightning and is able to use that as his attack and that he can he can reach into TVs he has this he has a relationship which it's funny cuz like the way he is killed is not through electricity he's be uh, through the uh the flashback it's implied that he self immolated in a satanic ritual in his hotel room but it's funny cuz like he comes back having this superpower of being able to harness electricity, which doesn't make any sense. It's not like shocker where, well, he gets killed on the electric chair. So naturally he, you know, he's reborn as this electric phantom or whatever. But anyways, but it is cool that he can reach into TVs and kill people. And when he kills Ozzy at that one point, or he grabs the one like, um, the church lady, pulls her out of the TV and drops her burnt <laughs> yeah, husk of, yeah. a, of a corpse. You know, there's some cool things like that. He shoots lightning out of a guitar. It's goes back to that Pat Oswalt bit and squibbly babbly do. Fries <laughs> <laughs> a whole <laughs> auditorium, a gymnasium of, of teenagers. So yeah, again, there's all that stuff. That's cool. Also, I want to say this. I'm all right with Roger. It's funny that Roger, this is this guy's only film appearance, the actor that played Roger, but I'm all right with Roger as being the nerdy sidekick buddy. No, I wish Roger was the lead. Yes. Like, I feel like they should have they, they switched him. Uh, yeah. I wanted more of Roger. Roger was Just, all right. Yeah. I'm all yeah. I No, you're right. Uh, Roger is my favorite character in this. Uh, I love, love when he breaks into the into the car, Tim's car, to get the tape back and shit. Like, it's great. Roger's doing a lot of great shit in this. Roger of the two has his shit together more. He's more collected and calm. He doesn't let his surroundings affect him and turn him into a giant bitch, baby. He's, he's also just like, good in terms of good, good friend. Like he's he's a good friend. He does so much, like, uh, on a whim. It's like, hey, go over and break into this dude's car and risk getting the shit beat out of you to get this tape out. And he's like, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure which thing. He, yeah, which he tasks Roger to do because he's a giant pussy. 
<laughs> yeah, right. Which again, are we? This is who we're supposed to identify with. It's weird. Yeah. So I wanted to round this out with a little, a little good. I like when they're rolling out all the victims, getting all the teenagers out of the uh, massacre that just had transpired from Sammy Kerr's performance. But I like when they roll the showbiz pizza bear guy out on the gurney. Yes. Yes. So do I. (laughs) That's great. That's great. All right. So there we go. There's all the goods. You said you, you were done. You had a couple goods. Let's move on. No, but your discussion, like, like, Talking about little little things here or there made me realize that yeah I did I did like I did like Roger I did like this I did like that I think good is this is the most appropriate uh, titled good we've ever had because everything in this that I liked was good nothing was great like even shit that I was like that's cool he's on stage he's like lightning bolting people with his the fucking head of his guitar. But it feels like a Disney movie because people are just like, whoa, like, just like, right. <laughs> puff, and they're just like clothes on the ground. It's like, I, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, it was again, he's swibbly blappling people. He wasn't obliterating people. He's swibbly blappling. No. Yeah, no, he's not like devastatingly <laughs> eviscerating people. It's very like, skibbly babbly doo. Like, it's very, uh, yeah, Adam Sandler as Sammy Kerr. <laughs> right, uh, opera man. Is opera, opera man is Sopper Kerr. Yeah, yeah. That's what it felt like. Uh, all right, bad. Well, we've been dancing around the whole time, but goddamn, Ragman, fuck. He, yes, he is like you said. He epitomizes. He epitomizes David Mendenhall. He also so much gives me C. Thomas Howell and the Hitcher vibes. Yeah, you know I mean? but but even then, it's like at least I didn't hate C. Thomas Howell because I identified with uh, him going up against an abject psychopath like Rudger Hauer's character, and I was like, okay, I understand yeah. being like a little bit shaken in your skivvies there. Um, but yeah, in suff- in terms of insufferable, this kid needed more wedgies, more holes <laughs> poked into his chocolate milk. More yeah. times thrown into the pool with his clothes on. And then when he gets out, he like, uh, what, what's the girl's name? The girl he has a crush on. Um, Leslie. Lisa Leslie. He's like, yeah. oh, you invited me here and you knew they were going to be mean to me. It's like, yeah. fuck. Do it again. Throw him back in the pool. Atomic right. wedgie. I need the waistband of the of the underwear across his forehead. Like, insufferable. Sucks. He sucks. Yeah, he sucks. Like, why? Yeah, you cast Skippy from uh, Family Ties as being the the metalhead here. You're gonna get. I'm less mad at. Yeah, you. That's a good point. I'm less mad at at um, what's his what's his freaking name? Mark Price. Mark Mar- Mark Price. Yeah. As I am at the casting choice of that. Yeah. He right. has no second gear. It's all whiny. Petulant child mo- right. gear. You can't shift out of that. Which, like, he gets he gets some stones for a little bit there after he's he realized he has the power to unleash Sammy Kerr or he's communicating with Sammy Kerr via the record. So he gets a little bit of he gets a little bit of confidence. And then he shows up to high school the next day wearing 
so he goes from being a convincing dopey metalhead nerd to then he decides he's going to rock out and compile this <laughs> ensemble of he looks like a, a thriller backup dancer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then and then he says kind of like it's kind of fruity. He just goes, chow. You remember when he goes, chow? Yeah. Nothing, <laughs> nothing to like here. Yeah. <laughs> so what he was like, fuck? no. God, you could have. That's. <sighs> okay. So talking about <laughs> the Christine thing, at least that's what I like about Christine is you, you start off with having a weak nerd, but you empathize with them. Right off the bat, you empathize with Arnie Cunningham. You're like, this guy seems like he's probably all right. He's getting the shit into the deal of being the, the fucking the lowest dude on the totem pole, the social social totem pole. And then he actually reinvents himself as being like a legit menacing fucking badass in Christine. They could have done that with this movie, but they didn't. It's like you said, they keep it in that second gear the whole time where he's just a dope um, yeah, <laughs> it's such Never, a bummer. It, it is a bummer. It feels so much potential wasted conceptually um, from a casting perspective, uh, from a directorial perspective, from a screenwriting perspective. It's like everyone was like a first time everything. Yeah. Uh, and that that you need some experience to, to guide the ship. It can't be source material coming from a bunch of amateurs and directorially someone who's never done this before that can work out, but it, in this instance, it, it failed the project. <laughs> Harkening back to the movie we just discussed, get, get John Carpenter on the horn, get Wes Craven on the horn, whatever, man. I know, you know, these are speculative. What ifs that we could, have just John Carpenter direct every movie. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it, I'm just trying to say that in more capable hands, this would have been a just banger of a movie. I could see, so I, I don't necessarily see them jumping on board this, but this seems right up the alley of like a Joe Dante. Like, right. totally. He, he would have nailed this shit. Yeah, absolutely. This is right up his alley of like really dark but humorous um yeah like he would have nailed it for sure okay so we were talking about with slawson and franchise capabilities uh and merchandising and and sequel sequel ability right here sammy kerr could have made sammy kerr in the most into the most badass satanic ballet dancing lightning wheel villain <laughs> heavy metal maniac and they just didn't. They didn't because maybe Tony Fields was good for the physical aspect of it, but as far as the the dialogue and the and the actual representation of any sort of story, not good. Where's all the one-liners? Where's the one-liners? I want fucking zinger after zinger coming. I want Freddy zingers coming out of this guy's mouth. He doesn't show up in the flesh. Uh, he it's too late by the time he does. It's yeah. weird. He's uh, like back half of the second act 
beginning of the third act that he's talked about and shown on like TV. Yeah. But by the time he, he gets summoned uh, and visits, you know, it, it is like his corporeal self is is manifested. Yeah. It's too late. And yeah, the, the yeah, he needs to be a wisecracking Freddy. Right. And he's not. He's not. It just shows it's not easy to make a banger. It's not easy to just make a Nightmare on Elm Street. Why can't this just be Nightmare on Elm Street, we're saying? It's not like that's easy. Yeah. Uh, but you could have taken this source material and made it fun. Uh, I was genuinely bored. Like, there was long stretches of it where I was like, when's the fun going to happen? Right. <laughs> I'm not having fun. Why? Why? Yeah. I want to have fun. A lot of lagging. A lot of lag. And when you want to like something, too, you want to give it the benefit. of. I was giving it the benefit of the doubt. I was like, oh, maybe it picks up. I, I yeah. really, really want to like this. Like, I, I don't want to hate this. Absolutely. Come on. Give me something. It, it, it's, it, it suffers from pacing issues, uh, execution issues, and it's not particularly well filmed. And other than the gore of the girl's ear melting off when she's listening to the, the cassette tape, Really could have ramped up, uh, ramped that up, especially on the on the rampage at the school dance. I mean, uh, yeah, blast and viscera, blast and viscera, blast and holes through those fucking teens. Turn them. We talked about last last week about tourist trap being rated PG. What the hell is this rated? This this cannot be. uh, Is this even PG thirteen? I don't know. Yeah. Turn those turn those teens in the in the in the teen tenderloins. Just just <laughs> grill them. Just smoke them. Just with with your lightning powers. That being said, bad. I'd contact the manufacturer of those headphones. Man. Yeah, that does seem like something that was, that was just like my Walkman got way too fucking hot and <laughs> <laughs> right. This is <laughs> yeah. It's not an issue of some supernatural connivance here. That's just it was a it's a design flaw. It's like they had to recall the headphones because they just get abnormally hot. <laughs> yeah, my my Bose my Bose headphones. The Bose people will be hearing from me. That's for sure. Are you? Would you be shocked to hear that this is rated R? Uh, yeah, I actually would be. But what? Yeah, what the he- how the hell is this rated R? I know, right? Well, there are titties. There's tits in it. So that there's tits. There is some gore. Oh, well, never mind. Yeah. So which is funny sense. because tourist trap. I could have sworn there was tits, and then this one I didn't even no. know. I couldn't. I can't even recall. Nary a titty, and I was wrong. I'm wrong. So well, I'll say, I'll say this, but the, the actress who represents the 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 toplessness, it's the the headphone lady who gets her ears melted. She has oh. a yeah she, yeah, she yeah. has she has a scrumptious uh a cup so maybe that's why <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was uh Eddie <laughs> yeah Eddie <laughs> I thought it was ragman ragman also what what a stupid nickname ragman the fact that, just, <sighs> that that was a choice that they that they made to call him that but also because that, of course, of course, that bitch names himself Ragman. Ragman, Ragman. 
Ragman. <laughs> Where does that come from? That's not doesn't sound tough. Doesn't sound cool. Ragman. Come on. It's not good. Not good. Not good. Um, you know, what questions do you have? Well, I just want to say one last bad. That bad. Oh, that bad. Okay. That, bad, <laughs> that ending. That ending sucks too. It doesn't even make any sense. This convoluted fucking manner that they go about to to seal Sammy. Well, we're really limping out of Flicktober with the ending of Tourist Trap <laughs> and this back to back. That's fine. Like you know, sometimes the 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 discussion is more fruitful with with these sort of flicks. True. Yeah, another but, but, bad ending. Another week, another bad ending. Not good. <laughs> okay, questionable. So I had a question that I was wondering about because they state Sammy Kerr's age at, at the time of his death. They say he's 38. Holy yeah. shit, that's old for a metal icon of the time. That's yeah, older than that's older than Gene Simmons was at the time of that making I was of that movie. Just going to ask, but how old's Ozzy in this? So Ozzy would have been about the same age. Yeah, he would have been in his late 30s. So it'd be the like act- if Ozzy died. Yeah, but the actor Tony Fields was like 32. Why don't you just make him 32? 38. Hmm. Why no. make him again? I mean that's not old, but for an 80s metal icon, even the guys that have been around since the 70s like Gene Simmons, that's old. Just and for someone who like is living that lifestyle. Right. It's a wonder why he didn't die sooner. <laughs> I already talked about the name Ragman as a bad, but also question like why. Um, the big central question that I always had about this movie is: Was Sammy Kerr coming back to life from the afterlife and have harnessing all of these vast demonic powers? He's able to interdimensionally traverse and kill people with lightning, the harnessment of lightning. Why would he choose to attack his old high school? Set your sights higher, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the, so isn't Ragman like excited for uh, him to play before he dies? Isn't he supposed to play at the high school? Yeah, that was the whole point. So Sammy Kerr, well, <clears throat> he is... Um, He's turned down or he's rejected as playing the high school, um, whatever, Halloween. Which that says it all. This dude can't even get the gig, the Halloween yeah. gig at his high school. Yeah, he, he can't get whatever. The, the autumnal, um, the the autumn ball. The, the, autumn, <laughs> the autumn finger bang. Yeah, he the, can't even do that. The, the Cedar Crest autumn ball extravaganza he can't even headline the hair <laughs> yeah that's that i see what you're saying but is it like a genie in the is it like a genie in the bottle like he is beholden to the person who brought him back and his wishes so ragman's right. only wish is to get back at the bullies yeah so there is and and that yes and i had that thought too that you you do kind of have that question answered as far as why his his scope is so limited immediately. And I guess really that is another trope that is carried through a lot of horror movies. The villain always comes back to their hometown and deals with his initial, his initial antagonist first. 
It's the same thing with Nightmare on Elm Street. It's the same yeah, thing with Freddy. Halloween. Yeah. It's the same thing with Friday the 13th. So, but, so I guess that's the thing. It's like, they got to start small. They got to build their powers. <laughs> well, he didn't even make it through that. So, yeah. So that's, oh, I just had a funny one. So when the, the lady's listening to the, the, the tape before her ears get melted, she's getting real um, intimate with herself just like man mm-hmm. it's like they is there molly in those head is there x is there e <laughs> is there <laughs> again vapor, you gotta write for Bose e? company and and <laughs> gotta complain yeah she was getting real sensual with herself it was okay that's all i got when tim pulls up to eddie's house uh Ragman's last name is Weinbauer, yeah, and he's like Eddie, calling Eddie calling for him. Yeah, uh, but it it seriously just sounds like Tim is saying White Power. He like pulls up and is like White Power, White Power, White Power. <laughs> it's it's a real. I had to look up what his name was. I was like, is he screaming White Power? What the hell's going on? And I was like, oh, his last name's Weinbauer, which is very close. Yeah, he's really he's really stepping in uh, stepping in a la Phil Anselmo here. I didn't. I was saying wine power. <laughs> no, not white. No, no, power. no. I was saying wine power. I was saying wine power. <laughs> All right. And next week we'll have with us in the studio a truly fine talent and beautiful personality, Miss Muffy Singleton. And we're back with evangelist and moral crusader, the Reverend Aaron Gilstrom, who's dropped by with some visual aids. We're talking today about rock pornography, and I'll have to agree with you. We have some pretty ribald stuff here. Those, those rockers really have a strange sense of humor, don't they? I don't even think it's a sense of humor. I think they're just out-and-out sick people. I mean, and they're trying to make everyone else around them who, who listened to their music as sick as they are. Uh, Reverend, let me ask you a question. This album... Uh, do it like a dog. Now, this uh, this has to be about animal behavior. Is that right? Let Material me give you a, a, an example. I okay. have one of the lyrics. Uh, you will uh, right. tell me what you honestly think is Go right about. ahead. Gonna drive my long steel missile down on your love channel. Deep, deep, you'll beg for more. Raising hell and serpent score. Feel me, feel me. Now, what does that mean to you? To me, it means nothing but a sexual act. Okay, so moving on to our awards and category section, starting with the David Mendenhall Award for the worst performance. We are in total agreement. Goes to Mark Price for his ragman, his ragman routine. <laughs> ragman <laughs> like, living in the movies. Yeah, it is very much so. Like a, I've got the ragman blues. <laughs> The Frank Booth Award goes to... (laughs) Sorry. Go on. My wife. (laughs) The Frank Booth Award goes to the character who best belongs in a David Lynch movie. I don't know, man. None of these really give Lynch vibes. No. None of these folks. Maybe. No. None of them. Nothing. None of them do. None of them give off a Lynch vibe at all. A, uh... We're going to just, we're not handing out awards. Everyone file out accordingly. <laughs> this is going to shuttle this one. The EG Daily Secret Admirer Award goes to the biggest on-screen crush. Um, I mean, are we in agreement with this one? I guess it's Leslie, but she's a very unimpressive 
crush also. Yeah, I'm not sure who else it would be. So uh, we're at half mast here <laughs> with, with today's choice. And uh, something we were opining for, the Welcome to Primetime Bitch Award goes to the best one-liner. It's like the one-liner that never existed. We, it's like this is where we should insert the shit they should have done. Well, he does during the congressional hearing uh, footage on the news. He does say some stuff like, you know, I'll get you or I'm going to take you down. And then, you know, like Ragman is like, yeah. Like he's like, that's his team. He's like, he's yeah, vicariously yeah, that sucks. living That's not a one liner. That's just, yeah, that's right. just dialogue. It's just dialogue. Yeah. Again, just wasted, squandered potential. <sighs> so fucking frustrating um to begin our wiki wormhole discussion we start with a body count uh i just did the lazy man's look up it's eight we're at eight because so the, the lady who gets her ears melted she doesn't die she doesn't even die she yeah. just she's she's going to live a a freak life as being an earless uh earless hag yeah, but she's going to sit atop that sweet, sweet Bose money that she has coming to her in the, <laughs> right. the settlement money. So she'll be fine. <laughs> so maybe uh, she'll through that she'll be able to get some, some prosthetic ears manufactured. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, honestly, most of the stuff in the wiki wormhole is shit we've already discussed. Do you have like fun tidbits that you care to bring up here? I do, and that is with the casting choice of Sammy Kerr, and that was they they were originally tapping Blackie Lawless from Wasp to mm. play Sammy Kerr, which could have potentially been sick because of the '80s glam shock rock guys. He was one. He was one of the more convincingly sinister kind of ones. He was like the more uh, what is it? Um, unhinged, I guess, in terms of how he represented himself and looked. The thing is, I don't know how well he would have been able to act it because he has no acting no. bona days, as far as I know. So he could have gotten thrown in there and been could have could have been whatever. Um, but apparently, the reason why he didn't get cast was because they wanted him in the movie. But they wanted him to lip sync Fastway's songs, so he was like, he no. Said "No," which I don't blame yeah. him. Like, why would you want to do that? It's like I have yeah, a perfectly sounds... capable band. And to be honest with you, as much as I like Fastway, a Wasp soundtrack would have been way sicker for this movie. Like, so yeah, again, missed opportunity. Missed opportunity. Like, this is where you have, you have. It's one of those. It's one of those classic examples of. The production, money, pencil-pushing assholes that ultimately are the ones that are going to bring a project to fruition that are clueless. Yeah, I agree. This does feel clueless. It feels uh, a ship without a rudder, a broken compass. It just feels aimless. Yeah. So that was my little tidbit. It's funny. If you're going to do like the like wacky uh, pirouetting ballet 
heavy metal uh like caricature i wonder like if someone like david lee roth like someone like yeah that's like very much in in that lane he is very charismatic uh you know it does more of like the dancing around on on stage and splits and all that sort of shit and makes it look cool um and seems like a, a, a he's got a huge fucking mouth not doesn't seem but could be a wise cracking character in this movie i don't know yeah well Tony Fields also was, he was a professional dancer. So <laughs> you, you can tell. You can tell, right, yeah. Why Why that would have been their choice, though, to tap a professional dancer. That's the dancer. problem, though. Like, he does some spins, and you're like, ooh, la, la. <laughs> and then it's like, I don't know why they chose to show his fingers on the fretboard, but when he's ripping that solo, you're like, this is not someone that even knows how to hold a guitar. He he's does like, not know. <laughs> <laughs> this is how I play a guitar. <laughs> He's playing guitar like a flute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I knew he couldn't play guitar when he held, held the neck up to his fucking mouth and just blowing the fucking strings. <laughs> is this how I that, John Tesh the shit out of this guitar? Like <laughs> that, is, that is, yeah, I, I'm going to Zam fear this guitar. <laughs> uh, no, that was a question I did have that I forgot to mention was how, Sammy Kerr manifests on stage with the teenage talent show backup band, and they just miraculously know how to play his song. Maybe it, they're under his trance. Right. Maybe that's the thing. But also, but, he blasts the original guitarist out off the stage. No the one amp. cares. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares. This guy's fucking toast, and yeah, no, no one bothers to go call the cops or an ambulance or just like, Oh, well shit. I guess we're, we're along for the rocking. (laughs) We're rocking. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anything else? Well, I was going to say, as far as another casting choice that would have made sense from real pull, pull, pulling from real bona fide metal people, I think Nikki Six would have been a great Sammy Kerr as yeah. well because he's tall and gangly and he's kind of sinister yeah. looking. I saw some criticism. <laughs> or just go the other way and get bloated fucking Vince Neil, which Vince he wasn't bloated Neil. back wasn't then. Bad. But yeah, get get fat Vince Neil to play Sammy Kerr. That should be in the in the in the reimagining reboot of this. That's what they'll do. <laughs> that would be fucking. See, now we're talking. Now that gets butts and seeds. Uh, it's funny because I read one uh, viewer review of this and is somebody who it didn't seem like English was their first language, but they were criticizing it as not accurately representing the metal community and the metal aesthetic because even though Ragman is clearly he's like a thrasher dude, he's not like a hair metal dude. Sammy Kerr is very much like a cock rock hair metal glam guy. Yeah. And they, they felt that it was it poorly represented the genre. This and they were like, this is not real metal. <laughs> this is not how they look. Which yeah, I guess. I mean, there was plenty of thrasher death metal, early death metal dudes that also kind of towed the line, wore like leather yeah. and chains and so I don't yeah. think it's it's that off the mark, but yeah. There's so much more to complain about. <laughs> right. just, yeah, that's a very 
petty, petty, uh, hot take to have. Um, yeah, that's, that's it, man. Well, we were talking about how much we were talking about how much we like, uh, how we liked Glenn. Um, and I mean, Roger, I mean, I'm sorry. Where'd you get Roger from? Okay. So this is where I'm going with this. Roger. He's played by Glenn Morgan. Um, so Glenn Morgan, uh, who has a uncredited, uh, screenwriting on, on this. And he also would go on to write and produce episodes of the X-Files he was a prominent writer on Final Destination 1 and 2. And, um, oh, my God, this is – he would go on to direct the Black Christmas remake. Yeah, so, I yeah, I Holy did want to mention that, that the guy who played Roger did go on to have an illustrious writing and production career, actually. I didn't know he drew – wow, cool. Yeah. That rules. Cool. That 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 I wanted to end on a high note. There it is. Yeah, well, because, again, we needed more Roger – we clearly, were opining was, for more Roger, yeah. Yeah, clearly the guy playing Roger was the, the real talent in this movie. And he's just yeah, he went on su- to actually do stuff. <laughs> I know. He just plays a subsidiary, secondary role. Again, squandered, wasted. Yeah. So much waste. <laughs> so much waste. <laughs> um, so... Uh, let's rate this out okay. of um, I don't know what's the iconography for tonight uh, out of five uh, flesh covered ear flesh covered cartilage uh, sapped and so yeah, out of uh, five melty ears <laughs> well no, uh, headphones Bose headphones. Out of five Bose headphones lawsuits, <laughs> <laughs> what do you give this? Uh, I give it two and a half. Yeah, so if I gave Tourist Trap three. Right. I mean, yeah, this is a two. This I'm is a, a two I'm, out of five. I'm earn on the side of two, but I'm going to give it a half because I know that I like this better than you. And I, I do come back to watch this much against my better judgment. From time are to these time. The, are these the lowest scores of of midnight in midnight flicks history? No, you, that credit goes to you. You gave Mermaid in a Manhole one and said, "If I could have, I'd give this a zero. Oh yeah, I yeah, I would rather watch this. That's true. That's uh, true. <laughs> I gave I gave Waterworld a two and a half. I think I gave Terrifier a two and a half as well. Yeah, you have been more critical. Okay. Well, this wraps up uh, our <laughs> Flixtober series. We're going to continue uh, by wrapping up season three with a normal slate of episodes uh, starting in November. Uh, so keep an eye out for those. Right. And I got to um, pick it. I got to pick the next one. Yeah. I guess this is as good a time as any to ask you. Uh, what will be our next movie coming out of the break? I think because we're so worn down from <laughs> horror movie discussion, we probably yeah. won't have another horror movie for the rest of the season. I'm excited to get back to the Stallones of the of of our episodic podcast. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, clearly my list is replete with horror movies. So, I have one that I definitely want to watch. So, here's the thing. Spoiler alert. I think we might have another guest for a potential episode here to end, end the season. We'll see. Um, and I kind of wanted to have them on for that. But, let's see. What what would be a good palate cleanser for anything. this? <laughs> anything. <laughs> just like anything. Uh, you know what? Because I'm going back in my list... And I want to get some. I want to knock some of these earlier additions to the list that I, that I keep passing over all the way. So I think this would be a good one. And not only will it be a good one, it will be our first Brian De Palma film. Oh my! I'm a a De Palma head. So for the next episode, let's watch The Phantom of the Paradise. Oh my God! Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I have not. It's one of the few diplomas I haven't seen. Is it Phantom of the Paradise? Why does it end in an O? What is going on? It doesn't doesn't movie? end in an O. It's the Phantom of the Paradise. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the Italian <laughs> cut maybe, of it or whatever? Yeah, maybe I. Yeah. The, the Phantom di Paradiso. I think I. Yeah, I think for some reason when I looked it up, it came up Phantom de Tip Phantom de Paradiso. Okay, Phantom <laughs> of Paradise. Okay. So let's watch Good. the Phantom of the Paradise for the next one. Well, it's funny that I'm a huge De Palma head. Give me a De Palma job. Put my dick in your hand and Paul, give me a De Palma job. Uh, but I haven't De, seen this one, so I'm excited. De Palma um, this De Paradiso. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm excited. This has been another deep dive into Midnight Movie Madness. Big thanks to Charlotte Blythe for providing our intro music. Our outro music is brought to you by none other than Fastway, appropriately mm. enough. Uh, get a hold of us, midnightflixpod at gmail.com. We've only had uh, some vague Zodiac Killer emails sent to that, but we appreciate <laughs> it nonetheless. Thank you for taking time to email us. Um, whoever that was and uh, get a hold of us on Instagram Midnight Flix, Midnight Flix Pod or on TikTok as well same handle see you next week for some De Palma discussions our first De Palma movie see you then better be at the the, uh, the episode to listen to the De Palma discussion it's just an- <laughs> All right. All right.